today on Ag News Daily. Cattle max can be as intense or as easy as you'd like it to be. Uh, there's a misconception that you have to fill in all the blanks, and that's that's not true. That's what we tell our customers. You use what part of it fits your operation. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. Ashton, how you doing today? I am doing great, Delaney. I went and got my hair cut, cut about two inches off of my hair, so I'm feeling new and refreshed. That is always a good feeling to have, that's for sure. It certainly is, and you know, I got my roots touched up because I'm pretty much a dark blonde, not fully natural light blonde, so my secret is out, cat's out of the bag, I do get my hair dyed. Me too, me too, I'm right there with you. At least we're in the same boat. I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. But Ashton, I tell you what, Cat is out of the bag for today's WASD report. Do you care if I go ahead and jump into this today? Well, let's do it. It was all over the news today. I hardly have anything else to talk about. I know it certainly was all over the news, although I really got to say overall, this kind of was a non-report. Um, following the release of the report, We saw corn and soybeans both react negatively. Soybeans were eventually able to somewhat recover from that loss. Uh, Corn, however, really did not. And I think the overall sentiment is that the trade was expecting to see more reduction in corn ending stocks and carryover numbers. And we just just don't really see that. But let me go through some numbers here or more so what the overall picture was. I'll give you a little bit more of kind of the take on this and uh, where I think markets are going to head from here. But we did see tighter ending stocks for both corn and soybeans, um, as well as unchanged estimates for South American production. We only saw about a 50 million bushel increase for U.S. corn exports. So again, bullish, but not as bullish, not as favorable as what the trade was originally expecting to see. We all saw wheat pretty much unchanged overall and soybeans, you know, the crush was unchanged. We saw, again, slightly increased exports, lower ending stocks. But the thing I think that the markets did not trade today was the Chinese import number that was included in today's report. We keep hearing this 30 million metric tons number floated around. We didn't get quite there yet, but we did see USDA increase Chinese imports for this marketing year about seven and a half million metric tons. So in February, they put out a 17 and a half million metric ton figure saying China was going to import that. Today's report showed a 24 million metric ton figure. So I think that there are still quite a few bullish underlying factors here not bullish enough to spark things higher. And corn really just didn't react well to this report because it wasn't favorable enough. But I think this reaction today was short-term. I think long-term, the bullish sentiment is still there. And I think we're setting ourselves up for a, a good year again. 
Well, I certainly hope that we have a good year, Delaney. Like I've said on the podcast before, 2021 is the year of hope. But kicking things off, talking a little bit about news, like I said, I really don't have a whole lot to talk about. But one thing that I do want to bring to your attention, as well as the attention of our listeners, is the 117th Congress. They are renewing efforts to lift the U.S. trade embargo with Cuba. Democratic senators have introduced legislation to end the longstanding embargo and increase trade with the communist country. Minnesota U.S. Senator Tina Smith led a trade mission to Cuba in 2015 while she was lieutenant governor and says that she's optimistic about expanding access to Cuban markets for farmers and ranchers. Essentially, what we are good at growing, they don't have, and what we don't have, they're good at growing. So it seems like a good trade relation to kind of start revamping. But the Democratic member of the Senate Ag Committee says, while it does not compare to China in terms of scale, Cuba still represents or presents significant trade opportunities. Smith says the Trump administration pulled back in roads the U.S. had been making towards expanding trade and diplomatic relations. And more than 20 farm groups, state ag departments, and agribusinesses sent a letter to President Biden last month asking him to improve trade relations with Cuba. And those groups include the National Corn Growers Association, American Soybean Association, U.S. Grains Council, and National Association of Wheat Growers. So it looks like those groups might be getting what they're asking for sooner rather than later. Indeed. I saw that come across yesterday, Ash, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. So let's see. I think the other piece of news that came across my newsletter today, to be honest, I spent a lot of my day just kind of looking through, filtering through the Wise Report, even though it wasn't super exciting, that kind of took up a majority of my day. But another thing that did come across the news wires today for me was an agricultural stimulus provision that is included in the overall $1.9 trillion coronavirus aid package, which the House begins voting on starting today. As far as what's in it for agriculture, there won't be large tranches of aid like we saw with the market facilitation payment program and or CFAP. However, this bill does focus a little bit more heavily on minority farmers, minority, not necessarily by race, but minority for folks who aren't the quote unquote normal farmer. Um, This also would pay off minority farmers USDA loans and provide $4 billion for purchasing commodities and providing pandemic related assistance to processors and other parts of the supply chain. So there's about 17 pages of this bill that would affect agriculture in particular. But a lot of it is geared towards uh, SNAP and food support systems, which I don't think is any big surprise. You know, the farm bill itself is a big chunk of that as well. But, um, yeah, it sounds like there's about five billion to five billion uh, earmarked for part of that. There's another what did I read? Sixteen billion for the primary ag uh, sector. So really quite a bit of aid overall. Don't really know how that's going to di- get distributed yet, though, if we're not going to see large payments made like we saw under the Trump administration. 
Well, Delaney, I just have one other piece of news that I wanted to talk about today, talking about the Chinese Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs. Earlier today, it found eight companies and research institutes that illegally produced or carried out research on genetically modified seeds. And as we know, China is not too big on GM products. The companies included two seed marketing companies in northeast Liaoning province and two corn breeders in northwest Xinjiang province who are producing GM corn seed. The ministry said seeds were confiscated and the companies were fined because at this time, China does not permit the production or planting of GM corn. The ministry's announcement that it had found illegal production of GM seeds is the first in years that we've seen. The ministry also highlighted four cases of illegal research into GM cotton. Unlike GM corn, GM cotton is permitted in China, but the ministry said the institutes and companies involved were working on genes that had not previously been authorized. China's top leadership said last year that biotechnology would be part of a campaign to improve food security, and I believe we've talked quite a bit about that on the podcast, and that announcement signaled Beijing could soon take a further step towards commercializing new GM crops, but, you know, the ministry seizing these these seeds, it kind of is contradicting, in my opinion, Removing illegal GM seed from the market said in previous years to be widely available would be necessary before regulated GM crops can be commercialized. To add to that piece of news, a little bit different tracks here, but uh, Chinese news as well. Hong Kong authorities have culled 240 different pigs after the discovery of a new strain of African swine fever infections in a farm. It's the first ASF discovery in domestically born pigs in about a decade and does pose the question, are we through the African swine fever issue? Um, of course, all of those hogs have been cold, disposed of, etc. But all of the pigs that shared this strain, same strain, like I said, were cold and they also widened that to include three other farms nearby. So Hong Kong said that they are planning to work to try and pinpoint the source of this virus. But yeah, I don't know if uh, that is going to uh, spark some excitement in their hog market, but it certainly could. Well, Delaney, like I said, not a whole lot of news today other than the WASDI report, which was affecting the market. So how about we hop over to that? It certainly was, Ashton. It certainly was. Like I said, corn reacted immediately to the downside. Soybeans did shortly after the report. Ahead of the report, however, both corn and soybeans were higher. Only soybeans could finish higher through the report, though. Kicking things off here first in the corn market. March contract closed down seven and a half cents to close at 556 and a quarter. The May down seven and three quarters to close at 554 and three quarters. In soybeans, big moves to the upside after their short sell-off after the report as the March soybean contract added 14 cents to close at 14 to close at 1401 and three quarters the May, up 12 and three quarters to close at 1398 and three quarters. Wheat today down as the March contract 
closed six and a quarter cent lower to end at 649 and a half. The May down five and a half to close at 654. In livestock today, we had a little bit of mixed trade yet again. The April live cattle contract shed 12 and a half cents to close at 123.82 and a half. The June down 37 and a half to close at 119.65. And in feeder cattle, March a dollar 20 higher today to close at 138.65. The April up a dollar 70 to close at 143.17 and a half. And in lean hawks, the April contract shed 27 and a half cents to close at 80, 37 and a half. The May down 25 to close at 84.02. Rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures. March down 23 cents today to close at 16.31. The April down 36 to close at 16.76. Ashton, without further ado, fill us in for, on who we're talking to for today's Tech Tuesday interview. Today, we are talking to a team leader at CattleMax, Jimmy Curtis. Today on the podcast, we are talking to Jimmy Curtis, who is the team leader at CattleMax. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to talk technology. Mm -hmm. Thanks for asking me. So the first question obviously kind of basic, is your background in agriculture and maybe even a little bit more about your background at CattleMax and what you do over there? Okay. Yeah. I've been in the cattle business my whole life. Uh, my grandparents were in the cattle business, uh, so that's where I got my love for it. Uh, graduate of Mississippi State University with an animal science degree. Uh, I moved to Texas in 1986 and managed a registered and commercial operation. We had a thousand cows uh, as a cow-calf operation, did our own backgrounding. We even had a registered bull sale at times. So I spent 26 years on the ranch. During that 26 years, we used different softwares and, and we wound up with CattleMax uh, in 2004. And so we really loved it, got to know the owners. Uh, when the owner of the ranch decided that it was time for him to retire, uh, he put the ranch up for sale. And of course, the buyers had their own uh, management team. And so I was uh, contacted by Penny and Terrell Miller, who owned Cattle Max, and asked if I would like to join the team. So almost six years with the team, uh, I take care of the more technical questions, breed interfaces on our registered side. I do our online classes. And then uh, we're getting into some other features behind the scenes. Uh, I do a lot of work back behind with spreadsheets and updates to the software. Work uh, directly with our programmer, uh, adding new features as customers ask. Just talking a little bit more about Cattle Max. Obviously, it's you know some technology where you're you're managing cattle, but what exactly, like what what records are you keeping? You I understand that you have a commercial side and a registered side. Mm -hmm. So uh, at the base level, what are you guys keeping records of? Okay, well, as you know, Cattle Max can be as intense or as easy as you'd like it to be. Uh, there's a misconception that you have to fill in all the blanks, and that's that's not true. That's what we tell our customers. You use what part of it fits your operation. The rest of it, you just kind of leave in the backside. You're ready to do that. Of course, it, it takes care of your basic 
uh, breeding, whether it's AI, embryo transfer, natural service, your pregnancy checks, your calvings, uh, you keep up with your pasture movements, uh, all of your herd health, whether you give a, a you know a dewormer or a vaccination, uh, we can keep up with uh, all of your uh, pasture uh, fertilizers, things like that. Uh, reports is the biggest thing. You know, you put the data in. And if you can't get a report to figure out where you stand, you know, what what good are you doing? So we give the, the rancher, farmer, depending on what part of the country you're in, the opportunity to keep up with uh, where they stand, what improvements they need to make, and where. So Calamax has been around for quite some time. I mean, you've been using it since 2004. And mm -hmm. uh, I believe the, the program itself, it's been around since 1999, so almost 22 years here. So what are some changes that the program has made to kind of keep up with what folks are needing as the industry is changing? Okay, well, and you're absolutely right. It, it was the software was created in 1999 by a couple of Texas A&M graduates. It uh, started out very basic on your PC only, you know, so you had to have the software downloaded through a disk. And you only had one computer that had all of your records to it. Well, we've updated, you know, along the way, like you do with PC software. And then about 2003, 2004, about the time I get in, I was since I knew the owners, I was really pushing them. It's time, you know, let's go online. The cloud was the main word back then. And so they started working on it and it moved to the cloud, which was a huge plus for CattleMax and for our users. Uh, that being that you have your records with you all the time. I mean, we all carry a smartphone nowadays. There's very few people that don't. So you have access to your records and, being in the cloud, you're no longer limited to just a PC. I mean, you can a Mac, a tablet, uh, iPhone, Android phones. It makes no difference. Along those lines is we can make changes to CattleMax on our end. And every time the customer logs in, they already have that feature. There's nothing for them to download, nothing for them to import. It's just there when they log in. So. Going from just a PC-based software to a cloud-based software is huge, both for us and our customers. Absolutely, Jimmy. And there's mm -hmm. you know quite a few um, livestock management programs out there. So why mm -hmm. should you know your potential clients or you know those in our audience who might be interested in using something like CattleMex? Why should they choose CattleMax out of all of the other programs that are offered out there? Well, I, I can't say for the other softwares because I haven't used them. I'm sure they're they are fine. Uh, CattleMax is easy to use. I mean, there's not a whole lot to it as far as a learning curve goes. Uh, it's it's ranchers who have built software for ranchers. Uh, every member of our team still has cattle. We still deal with cattle every day. Uh, some of us on large scales, some of us small scale, commercial versus registered or both. So 
we see, we use the software that we're selling to our customers. And so if it doesn't work for us, then we know it's not working for them. So we are constantly adding the features that our customers request, you know, and uh, continually updating the software. I, I don't guess that there'll ever be an end to it. So it's kind of like a small company feel with that, you know, by ranchers for ranchers, but you guys mm-hmm. aren't so small company. You're worldwide from what I am kind of looking at on your website. Is that correct? Yes, we we have customers in 70 countries around the world, and that is because it is cloud-based. But it's small enough that my neighbor down the road who's got 10 cows, he just loves it. It's just exactly what he needed. He takes pictures and adds them to the software. And so if you see him at the coffee shop or the little cafe in town, he's always got to pull out his phone and say, hey, look at my new calf, you know. So we have that option in Cattlemax to add those pictures, uh, you know, and and to give our customers the peace of mind that their data is there. It's safe. It's easy to use. Uh, in fact, I'll just tell you right quick, my 10-year-old grandson helps keep records on our small operation and on his smartphone, which is great. So I'm trying to teach him record keeping now. Well, that's awesome, Jimmy. And, you know, I I want to talk about the classes for a little bit because you mentioned that earlier on in the interview. Mm-hmm. So what exactly are these classes and how can listeners on the podcast participate in these classes? Yes, the classes are free to anyone. We never charge for our classes. Uh, we'll do at least two what we call Cattle Max 101 classes a month. And we try to offer at noon and at 7 p.m. So if you can't make one, you make the other. When we first started, we could cover everything in about an hour. So the classes are a little bit longer now, but there's a lot of material to cover. We try to touch everything that CattleMax can do that most of our users would do. So we we try to do those. They are a go-to-webinar type uh, class so that you just sit down at your computer, uh, you get signed in, you can go to cattlemax.com forward slash classes and you can see our list of classes and when they're available you register for them, you get a link and you show up. You can't ask us questions verbally but there is a type section. I do have one of our other service reps that helps me at noon to answer questions behind the scene and send out links. And I have another one at night that does the same thing. So we keep the class moving and I will stop and ask questions if they're pertinent to everybody. The other thing that we've gotten into really big this last year with everybody kind of being shut shut down and at home due to the virus is we've gotten into a lot more of what we call our advanced classes. And so if you're a Cattle Max user and you want to know more about uh, reports or you want to know more about the treatment section or, or, you know, equipment, things like that, then we have a class on those. We try to do two subjects a month and uh, cover those very easily in under an hour because we're not covering the whole class, but we will answer all questions detailed as they get 
and uh, show people how to actually use those features in Cattle Max. Well, Jimmy, this is just great stuff. And for those listeners who want to find out a little bit more about Cattle Max, maybe talk about your pricing, how can they get a hold of a representative and maybe you specifically? Yeah, uh, we are on Central Time. We're based in Texas, so all of our times are Central. Uh, they can call us at 800 641 2343. They can always email us, and we answer all emails as soon as we can during business hours at howdy, that's H-O-W-D-Y, at cattlemax.com. And then if you go to our websites, whether you go to Cattle Max, Cattle Scales, or Cattle Tags, there's a chat button on every one of them, and we answer those during work hours as well. So we have many ways you can reach out to us. If they specifically want to talk to me, uh, they will have to ask. I, I don't answer the phones normally, but I am there uh, most all the time. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much again for coming on and talking to us about Cattle Max. You bet. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you very much. Again, it was great to have Jimmy on the podcast. There's so many innovations going on in the world of livestock management, but specifically for, for cattle, I was really excited to hear about Cattle Max, even though it was founded by two Texas A&M grads. I am hoping for good things in the future for them as they continue to grow. And I, I don't think I've heard of a livestock management company that had been in business so long. I mean, they were, you know, in the markets in 1999. So it was pretty interesting to hear about how they've grown so far. Certainly is. They've grown. We've grown here at Ag News Daily, and we're continuing to grow and expand who we talk to on the podcast. Be sure to check out all of our past episodes at agnewsdaily.com, as well as interact with us on social media at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.